0: I order the club sandwich all the time and I'm not even a member, man. I don't know how I get away with it. I, I like my sandwiches with three pieces of bread. So do I. Well, let's form a club then. <laughs> okay, but we need some more stipulations. Yes, we do. Instead of cutting the sandwich once, let's cut it again. Yes, four triangles. And we will position them into a circle. And in the middle, we will dump chips. Or a potato salad. Okay. Let me ask you a question. How do you feel about frilly toothpicks? I'm them. <laughs> well, this club is them. Spread the word on menus nationwide. I like my sandwiches with alfalfa sprouts. Well, you're not in the fucking
1: club. You know, uh, I just realized. I was like, oh, Mitch. Mitch Hedberg never really cussed, did he? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Good. He did. Hi, and welcome to the Heart of Brunch Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Michaels. With me, as always, my co-host, Chris King. Hello. And very special guest today, Isaac Lanford. Isaac, how are you doing today? I am wonderful. My belly is full. Nice. Welcome to the program. We did, in honor of you um, coming out with your uh, stand-up album, uh, we picked foods for the menu that were uh, from famous stand-up sketches this week. So the lead-in, obviously, Mitch Hedberg's Club Sandwich. Uh, we did the club. I forgot the potato salad. I could have done... You did the, chips. Salad. did the chips. It's yeah. potato
2: salad or chips. You did the chips.
1: Oh, uh, but the t- oh, Could have killed two club. birds with one stone Still with the potato the salad. Still in the club. Um... Uh, and the, see i almost had it uh the <laughs> hot pockets <laughs> <laughs> oh you forgot what you made oh, yeah. even though the hot
2: pocket was literally like four minutes ago it was just yeah. the last thing that came of yeah. the oven we were isaac and i were just sitting out there not eating we'd already destroyed all the food that you'd made and i was like well what do we eat? i mean we're we're wasting valuable chit chat that we're not recording at all so i like maybe we need to record and then you said uh oh, we got hot pockets coming but you still you forgot those hot pockets essentially you forgot them twice
1: yes yeah yeah. Uh we did I did like a pizza hot pocket and a breakfast hot pocket. And then of course it wouldn't be complete without the uh famous bowls yeah. Patton Oswald. Uh, yeah. which um you know, really just stick to your ribs on a day like this. Yeah, yeah. Really just yeah. I mean I feel like stick to your ribs on every day. Super nice
2: day. It's uh <laughs> I was I rode the bike in, uh the nothing better than a bunch of potatoes topped topped with the chicken, with the fried chicken <laughs> on the top of it.
3: I was feeling so guilty because we were eating all the food and Dyke was in here cooking, so I made yeah. sure to ask if he was eating before he got to <laughs> us. I
2: like, I like that guests come in here like their actual like house guests, like, "Hey, are you gonna eat?" And like, no, 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 that's not what we're doing here. Where you're making the food like a chef. Although I don't know when you eat, you you eat some of it. I just kind
1: of eat as I'm cooking it because, yeah, like otherwise everyone like I've had everyone wait for me, and then it just it takes. It's like three hours before we get to the podcast. Yeah. I'm like, come on, let's let's get going. Also, I had a friend come over on the podcast one time who tried to tip me at the end of the. I remember that. I He tried to he tried to he tried to palm me money like an old like an old Italian man. Yeah, I was like, yeah. What do you who do we do here?
2: I don't work here. Uh, Isaac and I had a very nice little date. Yeah, we had, uh, we sat up there in the patio. It was nice. It was yeah, we just opened up our outdoor
1: patio section yeah, for, yeah, uh, for nice. Corona for season. For Corona, yeah.
2: it's
1: a 50% capacity, so the dog wasn't invited. <laughs> it, was a,
2: it was a good time.
1: Uh, we do have some announcements from the podcast, so we have to get out of the way here. One, uh, we were supposed to have our producer, uh, Zach, um, back this week. Oh, really? But unfortunately, oh. on Thursday, he had a tweet storm of offensive tweets that he put out. Really? So, he is going to go ahead and be on suspension for an extra week. Are you joking? I don't know what's real. <laughs> I don't know if it's real anymore. Did he really have bad tweets, or what happened? Well, you're the HR department. You were supposed to be hating
2: all this. <laughs> well, this is what I'm like at my real job, is I don't look at people's social media. He had
1: some very strong opinions about the target. We'll just leave it at that. Oh, okay. seriously?
2: Wow. I don't know what's
1: going on. I don't know if it's real. I don't know if it's not. But let's look at I can't wait to look at his Twitter. Um... And then also, we had a kind of a complaint come in online on the Twitter that uh, you had given some misinformation last week. Me, you, Chris. You. Some misinformation. Yeah, yeah yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Isaac wasn't here last no, week. No, Isaac didn't do it. Uh, I wasn't talking to myself in <laughs> the third person. I should have pushed it, Isaac. Like, I don't know why Isaac was doing that. Uh, uh, yeah. Would you like to correct your, your misinformation? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So, and apparently, I, I Googled it. Like, a lot of people apparently had that misconception, but I, I, I'm saying... You know what's really funny is that I listen to um, I listen to this podcast. Uh, it's called Newcomers. Mm-hmm. It's these two women, um, and I can't remember their names. I really wish I did, but it's Newcomers, and it's basically two people that do not want to watch Star Wars, talking about Star Wars, and then they have a guest <laughs> okay. who's supposed to be like the Star Wars person. And the whole time, I'm usually listening to it on my bike, like on the Monon. So the whole time, like this guy, whoever it is, is talking about Star Wars, and they're just misquoting things. They're saying weird (laughs) things about the Mandalorians that is not true at all. I'm like, fact check, asshole. (laughs) Like, why don't you know these things? Meanwhile, I'm just like, yeah, MJ bought the birthday song. MJ did it, didn't check it. I got a computer in front of me. I could have absolutely Googled it. Um, So luckily, uh, someone who listens to the podcast – uh, caught me and said it. Chris is wrong, and I absolutely was. MJ Michael Michael uh, Jackson did not own "Happy Birthday." It's owned by. Oh, don't say it I'm wrong not gonna again. say, I'm say, not gonna say anything. Again. I'm not gonna say anything. Um, it's it's owned by somebody else, but it's still it's the same idea that you can't sing "Happy Birthday." Without paying royalties I think I looked it up I think it's somewhere around Like two million a year They're making From the happy birthday song From people that are still paying I'm not That's not a hard number I could be (laughs) I'm estimating But uh, and, And who was it That caught that
1: you remember? Oh, her uh, name? at Fun Angela. At Fun Angela. Yeah. yeah. No. So shout out to you, Fun Angela. Yeah. yeah. She sounds like a blast. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's what Amy said.
2: Amy's like, you can't say that she's that. You know, you're not going to call her out for calling herself Fun Angela and then uh, grading your podcast. Like, I'm just happy someone's listening that yeah. hard that they're like, I think he might be wrong, or he is wrong, and I'm going to write about. It. That's great. If that's what causes engagement is me just being an idiot, that's what we're going for.
1: I I have people that are messaging me now about the podcast, uh, and it's always like a, a few days to a week delayed. And they'll like yeah. shoot me a reference, and I'm like, what, are, "What? I have no idea what you're talking about." Yeah. So it was just like it was out of context. It was like, "Yeah, you need to make sure that you get your songs right." And I was like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. What did we do?" No, I saw. I was just I, honestly,
2: I was not. I was glad she caught it. and I was happy to say like I was wrong. I'm finally saying I'm wrong. I do it all the time, but I was just so happy that someone like tweeted back, listened to it, wanted to correct us, realized we were wrong, and then yeah. tweeted. It. I'm like, well, "That's
3: that's success to me." That sounds great. When you said MJ and Happy Birthday, I immediately thought you were talking about the Happy Birthday Lisa song mm. from uh, The Simpsons yeah. like season two or three.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, with Michael Jackson, which Michael Jackson, that's a yeah, that's a nice that's a good that was a good episode. Which maybe that's where that comes from because I think a lot of people make that mistake. Apparently a lot of people thought Michael Jackson
1: Well he owned some of the the Beatles catalog, right? That was- that, that
2: he did. That was true
1: that he did buy that from sounds like those two stories kind of got conflated
3: i think so did yeah. you guys i i don't know if this is true so you know fun yeah. angela if you <laughs> could uh, let us know but i saw when little richard died i saw something that said that when michael jackson bought the rights to the beatles catalog the beatles owned the rights to little richard's music oh and michael jackson gave little richard back his rights Oh, uh, wow. I
2: don't. I don't want to confirm or deny that. Yeah, I like but, it, it's but I, story. Story. I like that story. I like that story. Yeah, I mean, he also enjoys looking at buttholes, so we don't want to just bypass that. But he has a very distinct penis. <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't they all?
2: I bet it glows. I feel like what I feel like Michael Jackson's penis would be like in Pulp Fiction when they open the suitcase and it goes uh, in their face. Like yeah. I bet
1: that's what it is. Twenty twenty. I feel like we're gonna get some weird. I feel like by the end, I was not even by the end of the year. I feel like by. September, yeah, I'm gonna see a dragon, like a real life dragon or a kraken or something. <laughs> this is the, happen. 2020
2: is the only time where if we saw a dragon, be like, yeah, all right, <laughs> it's not
1: gonna blow you away. Like, can your you believe purse. it? The most amazing thing that happened a dragon. Like, no, 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 it's just, just part of 2020 dragon. So Isaac, I was, I was cooking. I, I didn't, I didn't get a hear all the, your whole backstory, but um,
2: <laughs> have you guys met before?
1: Yeah, but this is a podcast, <laughs> and gonna, right, I get it. I'm gonna ask yeah. some questions under them. I'm gonna f- make sure. uh but uh yeah so how long have you been doing uh the 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 stand-up you're kind of a jack of all trades you do you do a lot of character work you run shows you do stand-up comedy
3: yeah i i put my start i measure it from august of 2001 that's what i've decided is my measuring point because i had I'd been doing stuff since I was in high school, like trying to like do like video sketches and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff.
2: So September eleventh, you're like, I'm yes. gonna do you, that one month it, before. You saw it, I'm like, I'm yeah. gonna do comedy.
3: Well, and <laughs> what was worked out very nicely is that my first character was this redneck character, Jasper T. Colbert, that I still do and is on my album. And so I started him in august then september 11th happens right, right. and it ended up creating with like this uh little group that we did that was like a mock band and we did short films called devil's brew where we were doing these redneck characters so we got to ride that bush to like ultra patriotic oh, yeah. like post 9-11 yeah, 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 wave yeah, and yeah. do a lot of satire and nice. it was really good at nice. the time
1: yeah that's awesome. Uh, I just had all kinds of flashbacks, <laughs> Rel- reliving all that. <laughs> just had my own little 911. Uh, so you- <laughs> probably not though. <laughs> just have your own 911 right now, right? So it's like so it's always been kind of a um, kind of variety show kind of yeah feel like you kind of do it all right like, yeah. And I because yeah I I learned how to edit.
3: Because I had no one didn't know anyone who knew how to edit. So I had to kinda like I hooked up with a guy who taught me and then eventually I was able to do my own stuff and buy cameras and do all and all my buddies were in bands mm-hmm. and I created the character like out on tour with their band. So the mock band thing was kind of a natural transition because I was like trying to find a way to be a performer. Yeah. But I wasn't a musician yeah. and I was always into comedy. That's always what I wanted to do. And then I we did that for about seven years. Oh wow! And I started doing stand up actually as the character because my wife and I were planning to move to New York, and I was like, "Well, I'm going to my I, this group I've been working with mm-hmm. I'm not going to have anymore, so yeah. I've got to be able to perform solo." And so for awesome. about a year before I moved, I did the character, and then I started doing sets as myself. Like once I got more comfortable and wrote and got the nerve to go out without a costume on and do it.
1: So where were you guys performing? Were you guys? Doing acts on the road, were you doing stuff? Like we were based
3: here? in Muncie, Indiana. Okay, is where we were working, and we did just kind of like around the region because we booked a lot of shows at like those community buildings mm-hmm, and all that yeah. stuff when we were underage. And then, and so I ran a lot of the shows since I wasn't a musician. I ended up falling into the the route of being the guy who organized the shows, yeah. and I do like the merch sales and tour managing out when we went on the road and stuff. We never went out on the road with the the fake band, but we would sometimes gorilla concerts like people wouldn't know and it just be in a lineup of bands and then we'd go on as this group and perform and wow that's
2: awesome kind man.
1: of slowly built up a little bit of a fan base yeah,
2: yeah yeah yeah. that's pretty cool i i
1: was i was i was also in a kind of uh parody i was in a parody hip-hop band around the exact same time okay uh named sacrilegious <laughs> all right, right. we were both simpsons nerds uh but yeah we would uh we never went like a full tour or anything like that but we did a lot of hip hop shows for the first time like cuz back then there were people would just straight up be like hey, we don't really do hip hop bands here. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of places in Broad were really like the first time hip hop group there but like What year was that? Uh that was early 2000s. And they were like, hip hop hasn't caught on yet. They, they no, saying? they were just like, <laughs> it, day. it was, it was more an unspoken thing in, amongst the whole strip of they didn't want, you know, those types. Yeah. Or oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. But uh, I was the same way. I could not play an instrument, but uh, I could rap because everyone can. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> you people, but then, <laughs> <laughs> but then I uh, also I like I like the fact of. Uh, but in the theatrics on it, like almost every song was like a small skit, and we had people dress up in costumes. Yeah. And that's awesome. Do all kinds of fun stuff like that, too. But that's why It was right around the same time. I think 9 11 uh, really lit a spark yeah, on yeah, a lot it of Yeah, it really did creatively. Like did creative.
2: I'm thinking of blow up buildings. i might as well to do something
3: hilarious.
1: Well, if you're
3: a creative type who lives in a very conservative area in a very conservative time in the country, yeah. it does tend to bring out. Sure. Some of that artistry. Yeah. yeah. In one way or another. My dad, who's not a Republican, uh, but he is a really good artist. Mm-hmm. And during the Bush administration, he drew this cartoon of George W. Bush dressed as Uncle Sam pissing on osama bin laden and saddam hussein who like one had a black eye and one had a foot on his ass wow. and he would go to like these like legion fish fries and sell shirts and window decals yeah, man and he's a, like i don't give a shit these fucking idiots are gonna buy love it, it. So. yeah that's
2: the thing is like there's a you know what though that's always we were talking about uh larry the cable guy that's a larry the cable guy situation too i don't know i had heard and again don't quote me on anything but angela but i had heard that larry the cable guy was kind of the same thing that that was his shtick and then that was just the people that are buying it up, and like if you say get her done and put it on a stupid hat, you're gonna be able to sell a gas station for twelve dollars. And he just not. I, I just wonder how many people, especially after nine eleven, capitalized on that. That they're like, hey, listen, th- I, I don't really agree with this, but if I just, uh, you know, if I just show uh, Calvin pissing on Osama a bin Laden, I'm gonna make some money, so I'm gonna do that.
1: Yeah. I guess at what point, though, it does it go from parody to, like, well, I'm just... Now like, <laughs> I'm this person? Like, yeah, like, Larry the Guy is like, he, that's not a parody anymore. <laughs> no. I don't yeah. care if that's not your original uh, baseline <laughs> I love
3: that he's in movies, and it's not... It, I can't remember the guy's real name. at uh, uh, the uh, Neither does uh, he. Uh, something Whitney. I can't remember his first name. But Eli I think it's... I, I, think it's he invented yeah, the I think it's Dan Whitney I, might be his name. Anyway, but when he's in a movie, it's not... Let's say his name's Dan Whitney yeah. as Larry the Cable Guy. No, it's- or it's not Dan Whitney as the tooth fairy. It's yeah. Larry the Cable Guy, not as himself. Yeah. Larry yeah. the cable guy as this
1: other yeah, character. Yeah. character.
2: Because that was his thing, is like because Dan Dan Whitney is his name, I googled it. Because Dan Whitney maybe isn't doing that. Larry, the cable guy has those. views, yeah. And I think that's why he did it that way because he's like, listen, I don't, that's my character. I don't necessarily associate with all those views, but Larry the cable guy, that's what he's all about.
3: Yeah. But you would think like Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, you know, it's yeah. like yeah. oh, Pee Wee Herman as himself. Yeah. It's not like Pee Wee was taking roles and playing other roles in movies. The
1: other, the other one, the other guy that got me like that real bad for years was a uh, Bobcat. First time I heard Bobcat talk normals, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Like, you've been in movies talking like this asshole for 10 years? I thought that was his
2: thing. I thought he just had, like, wow, that guy is really capitalizing on his autism. Like, that? (laughs) Good for him.
3: That is great. I think Andrew Dice Clay is another where the line is, like, much harder to discern between a real guy. Because by this point, he's embraced that that's all he's ever going to be taken as. Yeah. And so he just leans into it and you still can't tell yeah. how much he that was him or he's become that or if it's totally an act or what is going right, on. Right, right, right. So
1: you do you do a lot of different characters. Yeah. And I've also heard that at the beginning he did different characters. Like sometimes he would come up as the dice man, but then he would also come up and do other characters. And the dice man was just the one that like kind of stuck. Yeah. And he he ran off yeah. with that.
3: His first HBO special, he's got like a pleather jacket on. And he's doing, he's Dice. Like, he is doing the, like, I jerk off to myself in the mirror type stuff. <laughs> but he's also doing impressions of, like, Jerry Lewis and, like, all these other people. That'd be so weird. So, like, the Dice is the through line of the act. Mm. But he's doing all kinds of stuff. And then eventually, like, Dice Man Cometh, he's lighting a cigarette and a crowd's cheering for three right. minutes. <laughs>
2: but it's the, it's the it's the Simpsons thing. It's we all, we all watch the Simpsons. the whole I didn't do it thing. It's mm-hmm. you get stuck in that one thing and then that's all anybody wants to see. It's you go up there, you're trying to do new material, like, no 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 no. Just say I didn't do it and then get up get the <laughs> hell off the stage. I don't yeah. I don't care.
3: And so you think about like as a guy who does a lot of characters, yeah, yeah. If one yeah. of these characters like took off or like yeah. someone's like, we want you to be that character in this sitcom or whatever. Yeah. And understand like, okay, well, I'm now agreeing that this is my identity or yeah. whatever. Yeah. At a certain point, a guy like Pee Wee Herman again he goes through this long cycle of, like, wanting to act in movies and do other things until eventually, you know, 30 years later, it's like, being Pee-wee Herman isn't that bad. Yeah. 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 You know, I can be Pee-wee, and then I can not be Pee-wee and go to the grocery store and yeah. have a fine time, and I can make a living doing this. But that level of stardom that these guys hit, I think, right. is what makes it hard, and the artist in them wants to be like, oh, but this isn't all that I am, you know? Like, let me... Yeah but Blair I think the cable that cable was, guy doesn't care evidently that, no I don't think he
2: does well but Pee Wee Herman I think to that respect he did and, and that he always cites that as like kind of like I was really happy when uh, that guy caught me with my dick out like he was he was just happy to and, and he played it off so well yeah. I and mean, he did the MTV thing I think it was 24 hours later he was on MTV and said did you guys hear any <laughs> any good jokes lately like that was the way to do it and, and I just remember I think his show was canceled after that but I just remember I was the age I was watching that show and I just remember my mom saying my mom of all people was like who cares I don't care yeah. that he was doing this show cares?
3: actually it was already done oh it was done and okay, they were just okay. still airing reruns oh, okay. at the time that okay. it happened it I, I found it that happened. out just recently okay. that he's like people think he lost the show because of yeah. it yeah now i'm doubting all- everything i'm saying anymore so <laughs> I'm glad you got that I,
1: I remember i forget who the comic was but he had a joke about everyone had a joke about Wee at, right. at the time but then like a few years later uh, like the fbi raided his house because yeah. he had like a collection of just exotic art yeah, erotic yeah. art, not like tigers. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they didn't find anything like illegal or whatever. It was just like in a weird like arc. Like, yeah. the, the comic was just like, where exactly do we want Pee-wee to jack off? <laughs> don't want him to it in his house with his private collection. Should he be orbiting the earth? His name <laughs> is Pee-wee Herman. He
2: wants to ma- half of his name is about masturbating. Why don't yeah. you leave the poor man alone?
1: Let him get it. So uh, how did you... How did you get involved with the White Rabbit Cabaret?
3: When I moved to Indianapolis at the end of 2010, I was coming from New York, and we, were, my wife and I were about... We had just had our first kid... And we were trying to reestablish life and be able to afford to live and all that. And I came back and I was in like total freak out mode Mm -hmm. where I'd been working in the service industry for, you know, a decade and a half almost. And I was like, I got to make more money if I'm going to have a family, like this whole freak out that I was good. So I enrolled in school and when I was 28 to start my bachelor's and my wife ended up doing a master's program too during that same time. Anyway, but we show up, and I was like, well, but I need to stay active. I need to perform. Mm. And I, next door to me happened to be a guy who I'd known for like a decade from the punk scene. And he was like, oh, you know, this place just opened down the road here, the White Rabbit Cabaret. They've been open for almost a year, and I bet they'd like to do some stand-up shows. Yeah. And I walked in. Uh, at that time, the operator, Andrew, was still bartending, and i sat down one night and started asking questions they were having an improv troupe in and i was asking about it and he's like yeah it's pretty good you know improv's not really my thing if i had it my way we'd get some stand up in here that was like, it. And I'm like, oh, well, that's that actually it. why wow. I came here. Yeah. And so that's I, amazing. Yeah. We started doing a monthly show. And then, like little by little, I started digging my way into that place. Yeah. Like I'd start showing up for other stuff. And then I started working the door and then started contributing to the shows that they were running themselves. And then it just kept building and building until we started producing shows together. And wow. it's been a nice run.
1: Man, that is amazing. Yeah. I got and, lucky. Yeah. That's awesome. So a better part of, well, 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. 10 years of, of running. And so like, and I, I, there's probably way more shows than I even know, but I I do have the, the evening at the authors. Yeah. The let's make a date. Yep. Okay. Make sure I got that right. Um, and, and and then you do you one, off, write one these down. No, you didn't write these down. I can remember this I, way. I don't remember the, any made of these. ten <laughs> minutes ago. You
2: you couldn't remember a sandwich you made five <laughs> minutes ago, but you're just going through their catalog like, well, I didn't know any of this. That's amazing.
1: And then of course booking just like you know, national touring
3: yeah. Santa Packs. Yeah, you know. we do uh Lloyd and Harvey's Wowie Zowie show. Wowie Zowie, yeah. Lloyd and Harvey's burlesque Bollyhoo. And those are wow. just the ones that I'm involved. In. They do some others that I'm not directly involved in that are house produced and then We started Hairbrained Comedy as like an offshoot where we book comedy shows, mostly there, but then also other places around.
1: Uh, Who all is is Hairbrained? Is that you and a partner? It
3: basically comes down to being me and Andrew McGahey from The White Rabbit and then Austin Reel, another comic here in Indianapolis. How is The
2: White Rabbit doing with... All the stuff going on. I mean, not, not the very very recent stuff, but I guess just right. the the COVID situation and, and being shut down, and and how is that affecting you and the White
3: Rabbit? Uh, you know, for me personally, and anybody involved in entertainment, like I lost a tremendous amount of work, right? Not just there, but you know, but I do like seven monthly shows there, so I, you know <sighs> that was uh, a hit. And up until the past year, I would still work the door. I'll still go in and like manage shifts and stuff. So. Lost, you know, a lot of work that way. And then with them, I mean, it's their livelihood. It's on hold right now. Right. and They're going through the same process as everybody, everybody else knows. and waiting to see what's going to happen. And if you can open your 50% capacity and you got sneeze guards all over the place and then do people want to come to yeah. a show? Yeah, yeah. It can we produce the kinds of shows that we do? Because a lot of our shows are like big elaborate stage shows. Right. They also involve audience interaction, especially the dating show. We get people up there like we have one script that we did right before the shutdown happened where we eliminated physical contact. But a lot of our games involve the people like yeah. doing team stuff together. And, yeah. you know, yeah. so definitely modifications are going to have to be made. And we'll find out, you know, sometime in July how that's all going to look. Yeah, well, I mean, and also, I know that with Mass Ave, Mass Ave opened last week, and
2: they did the whole thing where it's closed to traffic, and they were open, and and to me, that seems like we've really ripped off the band-aid, because I was down there last week, um, when they opened it, it was kind of pretty sparse, I mean, it wasn't really packed, and then I left. And then it got started getting more packed. And then I saw pictures of Mass Ave, uh, and it was just, it was insane. Yeah. And then uh, this week, uh, we just, uh, uh, it was like, oh, COVID doesn't matter anymore because uh now it's time for the race war. And that really, you know, pushed the envelope to see, you know, how, if it's going to happen. So I think it'll be really telling in the next two weeks um to see. But, you know, I, I think that, I can. man, we go back and forth about this a lot. But to me, I am just so excited for people getting back to work and, and, in the industry specifically, the comedy comedy industry, the food industry, the service industry, getting back to work. And if that's, you know, hopefully we all can kind of keep it steady in in the next couple of weeks, and then hopefully you guys can can get back to that. But what I've seen is, you know, I know that some people are kind of worried about it because people aren't slowly going back. What I've seen is people are just so tired of being stuck in their houses, they're willing to go back. And that hopefully if everything goes okay in the next couple of weeks and we don't really tip that scale, I, I hope that continues. That would be great.
3: Yeah. I'm hoping that people, I'll go perform. Like that was a conversation I had with Andrew just a couple of weeks ago. He asked, you know, how I felt about performing in July. If that's when we're allowed to open. Yeah. And I'm cool. Like I'm, I'm yeah. good. Let, you know, I'll go up and I'll do it. I think, you know, we, less contact the better yeah yeah i in the shows that do involve interaction of a lot of people we have multiple microphones and we have sanitized wipes and we can like rotate things out and we can yeah. go that way and if people are willing to do it i'll go entertain them and i'd love to do yeah. it I'd, I'd love to get back into it but i also respect if people aren't ready to come out then you know yeah we can only be at half capacity for a while anyway so hopefully that those half seats get filled yeah and we'll see
1: i was almost thinking like though Like I I don't know. I feel like like if you were packed, if you were at, or I guess not packed, but like let's say you have half the amount of people, but then you kind of are directing people, like okay, you have to sit here, you have to sit here. Yeah, I, I feel like you can kind of maybe maximize, not not specifically White Rabbit, but you know any comedy club, maximize like okay, well, we only have half the amount of people, but instead of everyone being kind of clustered up right here we'll kind of spread them out. Yeah. And I like, no one's really seemed to ever try that before. I was like, that might actually be better. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah.
3: Yeah. I've seen comedy clubs and I don't know. I don't know specifically who I saw posting this, but I saw a few different people. I don't know if it was comedians or operators. I don't remember, but talking about how comedy clubs are going to be tough because you want people close together to laugh. Yeah. And like all that also, like, I mean, there's a lot of like conventional wisdom in, in the comedy club industry that, I don't know if I directly adhere to because their their business model also has been failing for 20 years. So they might be wrong. Like the entire time I've been doing comedy, comedy club owners have been telling me the average person only comes out twice a year. So we need, you know, you can only count on that repeat business. And I'm thinking, well, the shows I do, I see the same people four times a month. So I don't know, but I don't think that my audience and the audience of the white rabbit is the average typical audience.
2: I don't know, man, though. I I think that twice a year is, I don't know if that's, I think that somebody had some metrics that they did in 65 and like, (laughs) that's what I'm sticking with. Because I don't know that, I I think you're right. I think that you have to kind of think like, well, when's the last time we did a poll to see how often people are, what are you you referencing
3: on that? Because
2: twice a year, even in, especially downtown.
3: If you're drawing, if what you're looking at as your audience is people over 40 who have, expendable income right then they probably are living in the suburbs having to come in for the your room yeah. is also a 300 plus seater if
2: that's you know. your mark if that's your demographic yeah but yeah. do you think that that's your demographic that's not my demographic, no. right, right right and that's, that's what, what, what i'm say. saying yeah. so
3: all this stuff about you know like oh the people need to be close together to laugh like i mean i think there is some common sense that that it is like if we're, the, if we're packed in we are going to share the experience more but I'm fine. Like we don't usher seating at the white rabbit. We never have. Yeah. And that can create like a standup shows. People like to leave a moat right in front, you know, but we let people sit wherever they want. And I've never had like, felt like there was an adverse effect. If the comparison it, is just a kind of laughter hole. Yeah. What? <laughs>
1: a laughter hole? <laughs>
2: if the comparison is just kind of talking into the ether, which is what comedians have been doing up until this <laughs> yeah. point, it's like I'm going to tell jokes with no one laughing. It's like a Zoom show. Yeah. Exactly. I think the better alternative is like people aren't sitting on top of each other. I yeah. I think that that you could probably live with that.
1: Hey, let's take a let's take a quick quick break and yeah. we'll be uh, we'll be right back. All right.
0: So I'm so hungry. What's good to eat here at the Kentucky Fried Chicken, man? What's, uh, what do you have on the menu that's good? Oh, um, our mashed potatoes are awesome. All right, I'll say that right now. And, uh, oh, our corn is really sweet and crunchy. That's really great. And, oh, we have these um, little, like, popcorn chicken things that are kind of breaded. I like those. And, oh, duh, if you get the mashed potatoes, you've got to get the gravy. The gravy is so tangy. It's really good. Okay, stop right there. Um, can you pile all of those items into a uh, single bowl? Just kind of make them into a, a wet mound of starch that I can eat with a spoon like I'm a death row prisoner on suicide watch. Just Have that instead. Um, yes, we can do that. Um, we can also arrange those on a plate like you're an adult with dignity and self-respect. You don't have to actually eat your food out of a single bowl. <laughs> Fuck that. I'm done. I don't give a shit. Just pile all those things in a bowl. Is there a
1: way that the bowl... And we're back with guest Isaac Lanford. <laughs> Is that how you felt eating the uh, <laughs> eating the famous bowl earlier today? No, I didn't think about it critically. I just saw <laughs>
3: the, that like five-layered dip of stuff and then just went for it.
1: Yeah.
2: You didn't even question it at all. You just no. went right at it. It was yeah. amazing.
3: That helps the chickens yeah. on top, and the chicken looked he didn't amazing. Even, he
2: didn't even look at it. it was, we took pictures of it. It looks insane. Isaac didn't blink. He's like, oh, okay, this is what I expected. <laughs> <Yeah>. I just <laughs> stuck a
3: fork in the chicken and yeah. drove it down into the cup. He did. And then
1: kind of started stirring. <laughs>
2: He oh. ate it like somebody who has those just every day. He's like, "Well, this is just another Tuesday for me."
1: Uh, that was that was Chef uh, Chef Bridget's idea because I was like, "I don't know how to plate this so it doesn't just look like slop in a bowl." And she's <laughs> like, "You don't have one of the what of the what are the things called that uh, we used to serve at McNevin's the dessert." I can't think what of, uh, uh, the lic- trifle. Yeah. Oh she's yeah like, yeah yeah, yeah, a, yeah. She's like, "You got a trifle glass," and I was like, <laughs> "That's man, a weird like, thing
2: to even ask for." I, mean,
1: I can't. Even, I, I wouldn't. I can't believe I remember that word. Like I was, I was like, any glass is a trifle glass if you yeah, layer it. You it right? <laughs> and then I was yeah, like, I'll yeah. put it in this ball jar. She was like, you should do that. And it was like, all
2: right. <laughs> it did. It looked really good. It looked really good.
1: Welcome to Behind the Scenes of Harder Brunch, <laughs> the podcast where we talk about how I made the brunch. Yeah. Um, no, Isaac, you uh, you have a big album coming out. Yep. Uh, I feel bad because uh, I was very excited to come to the live recording of the album, and then I had to work. Mm. And then I was going to ask, I don't, I don't know how this works, but I was going to see if I could get – uh, a a pre-release uh, stream of this because I wanted to hear it before you came in studio. I was going to ask you this weekend, but instead I just watched the world fall apart on Twitter, yeah. which was also really entertaining. <laughs> um, but uh, so I've not heard it, but I've heard all of my uh, all of my peers um, rave about how awesome it is. Isaac Lanford, live from the White Rabbit? Live at. Live at the White Rabbit. I don't want to
3: confuse that. You'll never find it when you search for it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) With so many words, I was like, I'm going to nail this. Yeah. Got it. Uh, And when does it actually come
3: out? out? June 12th is the release date. It can be pre-ordered on iTunes right now. Okay. And this is your first? This is my first album, yeah. And that was uh, when I started performing. I had... I never thought it was going to be a career or anything, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and especially like where I was and my mentality at that age at like 19 years old. Like I definitely didn't expect that I'd still be doing that Jasper character 19 years later, you know? Uh, But I was like, Oh, I want to do some short films. I did those pretty quick. I want to do a live stage show of some sort. I had no theater experience, so I didn't know exactly what that meant, but I, I grew up watching that, uh, the Pee Wee Herman show, from hbo the live at the roxy thing mm-hmm. yeah and i've definitely got to do that tenfold at this point and then an album was the other thing and i i'd always wanted to do a sketch album but as the years have gone on and i was talking to some people that are in the uh, comedy record industry they're like nobody's gonna buy that like there's there's no way to market it at this point the way people consume isn't that way. There's no, like, Sirius XM isn't going to play sketches. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh. And
3: and I even heard, like, uh, about two or three years ago, a guy named Mike O'Brien, who wrote for SNL and was on for a minute, and he created the show AP Bio that's okay. on right yeah. now. Super funny guy. He put out a sketch album, like, th- two or three years ago, and it has, like, Scarlett Johansson on it and all this stuff, and it didn't do anything.
1: Oh, wow. wow. So that
3: started, at that point, I was like, okay, maybe maybe that's like if I've garnered enough of a fan base that will like purchase it, that's yeah. something to do down the road. But yeah, for yeah, now yeah, yeah. I'll go out. And so what I did with this album is I just did a, what I thought was the best way to showcase what I do. I did a one night performance where I did four different acts. And so I, there's Jasper and then we do the Lloyd and Harvey characters. And then there's an entire segment in the middle of it. That is just our show and evening with the authors so, there's a guest on as the host, and there's the intro music, and then I do a piece, and then it goes into my. I do like the last eight tracks are my stand up.
2: Wow. We oh. are, we're a bunch of old assholes because every album, every comedy album that I used to listen to in high school was a sketch album.
1: Yeah. That's what they all were. Well, I, I was just thinking about like Adam Sandler. That's all yeah, I was thinking and, of. Yeah, yeah.
2: They're all going to laugh at you as just sketches. And it was like Conan O'Brien with the hairy balls, and like yeah. it was all hilarious. Yeah. And like, and I, I, I know, especially at that age, I couldn't listen to stand-up. I listen to a lot of stand-up now. Actually, Patton Oswalt is probably my favorite stand-up comedian to listen to album-wise. He's amazing. But
3: that's all I listen to were sketch albums. It's crazy that they just can't do anything anymore. Well, what a good friend of mine told me is he's like, if you want to do sketches, just do them and just release them as a podcast. Mm. Yeah. He's yeah, like, that's that where like you get it. And so I took that, and so I started... First thing I did is I started taking our show and evening with the authors and taking the live readings from the show and then moving it into a podcast format where I host and then play the segments. And then I do other episodes where I
1: interview an author
3: and it's all improvised, like comedy bang, bang style, you know?
1: Yeah. And can you, I've, can you give the, the audience just a brief description of evening with the authors? Cause I think it's a very,
3: yeah, it's essentially, cool, it's a NPR satire and it's, Supposed to be presented as this literary show, but it's all comedians, actors, improvisers, comics, posing as fake authors, and then reading these pieces from these books that don't exist. So it becomes... Sketch monologues is yeah. what it boils down to because it will be a barbarian reading, young <laughs> adult fiction, you know, and go all over as long as it can loosely be fit into that format mm-hmm. that you're supposed to be an author. Many times, the person doesn't have anything they're reading from, yeah, <laughs> they just have an intro that kind of makes it sound like they would be, yeah, yeah, they'll be a blogger or something and then go off and whatever. And so, I did just wrapping up the third season of that podcast and I'm going to put it on the shelf for a little while and look into doing some more, uh, experimental version, like maybe under one umbrella. And then the episodes are all different things like a sketch show. I don't know exactly what that's going to be yet.
2: Why don't you, what's the reason for not doing more stuff like on YouTube? Like if you're doing sketches and things like that, what's, or or are you? I guess I don't know. Yeah, I, I
3: do have some stuff. The main thing is when I first started doing things, I was doing short films that were taking me, depending on the movie, it could take three weeks to a year to complete the project. And then the finished product would be somewhere between like eight minutes to 40 minutes. Right. 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 And so right when YouTube started becoming like a big thing, I had a lot of people telling me to put stuff on, but what I was doing didn't fit that format. It's supposed to, that needs to be like three minutes, you know? And as time has gone on, something like YouTube, you, I put up a video recently. I was talking about this while we were uh, out on the porch before the recording that, because a friend with some notoriety retweeted it, the video got like a hundred thousand views on Twitter. That same video on YouTube is like nine views. Yeah. And Why even, is that? Even, I don't, I think it's because I say it like this getting you, your video to get a lot of views on YouTube is like sending a VHS cassette that you made at home to NBC and asking them to play it now. Yeah. yeah. It's so oversaturated with people who have proven already to have a market or, you know, you don't, you get something like the website, funny or die when it first yeah. came out, when funny or die came out, you could submit videos to it mm-hmm. and then you voted or, you know, one way or other, I would put a video on there of Jasper T. Colbert, get, you know, 500 views or whatever people yeah. vote on it. Within like a year and a half, Funny or Die now had Zach Galifianakis mm-hmm. and all these top people, top-tier talent. Top right. talent producing things for the show. If you searched Jasper T. Colbert, you could still find my video, but right. it was Otherwise. never going to hit that main page again. Right, right. And I think that's kind of what's happened with YouTube is that, that uh, they've set the the floodgates of exposure and you have to really prove yourself and build up. And like anything, it's like now... It's kind of like you need to bring your own audience from somewhere else to right. a platform mm-hmm. right. or have a friend who has a lot of uh, following share your stuff and hope that you siphon off some from that.
2: Right. Right. I mean, it's basically what we do is that we, we're always trying to like push stuff somewhere else. We're like pushing other podcasts or whatever, but then also if we can get someone to talk about us on their podcast, that's always gold.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I mean that's the best way I think this yeah. is like because then you're more likely to, I feel like, pick up a draft off of other people's Right. Hey, I like yeah. this guy and you like this guy. You I like this. this. You might like this, yeah. Maybe we'll like it. Um Man, that's that's a really how how long is the album? It hits just
3: under an hour, if I'm remembering correctly, I think it's fifty eight minutes.
1: And you said like I don't know how pre-orders work, so
3: you can't. You have to buy the album. Can you can you get it on
1: Spotify? Like we'll we'll
2: it
3: will be on on all the platforms on June twelfth. Okay, but currently they're running all of the pre-order through iTunes. And okay, I may be speaking out of ignorance here. I think the reason they do this is so that on the release date, all of those pre-orders. Fall on that one day and then it bumps you up the charts.
2: That makes sense.
3: Yeah. And so you have a big debut. And then if you have a big debut, uh, I'm assuming you're on the iTunes page and more prominent. And then it's better advertising. Yeah. You know, people love following a trend. If they think other people find value in it, then they'll find value in it, that sort of thing. And so once it's available, then it will be available everywhere, and you can stream if you have the you know subscriptions those services. You'll be able to stream it. Okay. I don't know how any of that works. Yeah,
2: I would have no idea how uh, that stuff. Uh, from
3: yeah. my side, I'll wait until the label explains it to me after it's out. <laughs> I was going to
2: say because if I listen to it on Spotify, I'm always interested in how that works. Like if I listen on Spotify, do you get a nickel every time I listen to it? Because I'll listen to it ten times. Do you get yeah, I think times? I think that is how it works. <laughs> yeah.
3: Although I listened to uh, an interview with Lars Fredrickson from Rancid. Yeah, and yeah. he was talking about. Basically, it's advertising. Like, for at their level, it's like if people are streaming their music, you're just hoping that someone's going to hear it and then they're going to want to go buy your stuff in some other way because it's not really coming back into their pocket at that point.
2: Even with, I mean, rant is a completely different situation. Like, I could see that with, like, smaller bands. But I would think with Ranted, I mean, I've probably listened to Outcome the Wolves, like, like 50 times on yeah. Spotify. So I would think that, that I've probably hopefully given them at least $10. But I, I didn't, I guess I didn't realize that. I didn't yeah. realize that they're still not monetized not getting that kind of money.
3: And I don't know. I don't know how it breaks down. It might have... For all I know, it might have to do with that this didn't exist when they signed their contracts. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah and so sense. that then if things have to be retroactively fitted or whatever yeah. it is, and it just isn't the same. I don't know. But I do know that if you pre-order my album, three <laughs> tracks become available to oh. you at the pre-order. Yeah. To tie it over until... So do the pre-order. Yeah. You would so definitely
2: it, encourage everybody to do the pre-order.
3: I mean... It's okay. If people buy the album, I'm happy. Yeah. And I would love uh, those purchases to be condensed into one time as much as possible, you know? Yeah. Uh, It's nice to have bragging rights. It's nice to hit number one on iTunes. It's nice to you know, the possibility of the billboard chart. That's pretty cool. You know? Yeah. So yeah, I, I was so. going
1: to ask you if you had produced this yourself, but you said there, there, there was a record company. Yeah.
3: I'm releasing it with on tour records, okay. which they've done. Brent or Hune, Stuart Huff, Matt hole, uh, Jeff Oscar, Madelano Martin, a lot of, wow. a lot of the guys from our scene and around the country. And I've been working with them doing some other things our podcast, they have a, a sister thing, the Perfecta Podcast Network, and the author's podcast is on there and whatever. So I actually I produced the album myself. Mm. I just went ahead and I that had that
1: was a distributor,
3: yeah. And I, it, you know, and then we we hooked up on the release because they have had all the inroads that a label has and yeah. distribution and all that stuff. And yeah, 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 and I'm I'm excited. I'm real happy with the album. I edited it myself uh, and. I didn't, I was really happy for a one night performance. Like I didn't have to cut out very much, you know, very few stumbles and that sort of thing and doing four different acts, you know, yeah, it's like
1: that. That's what really blew my mind is like getting in. Cause I mean, I've like, I've done authors like once, once or twice, mm-hmm. and it's different than doing up. I mean, it's, it's kind of flexing a different muscle. Yeah. And so I'm try trying to try to, try to think of doing like three, basically three characters and then, and then do, performing as yourself. Yeah. It, Memorizing, the, like, not only the different things you have to memorize to say, but, like, literally getting into a different character and costume changes.
3: Yeah. And the characters are pretty, uh, pretty different. Going, shifting from one to the other in some of the cases is a pretty big move. And there's a lot of costuming involved too. You know, it's like I had to plan them out in a certain order so that I could like get the fake mustache off and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I did have guest performers, so I didn't have to like run backstage and like tear it off. I'd have somebody else go out and do 10 minutes while I change clothes or whatever. But also uh, like I'm a drinker and all of my characters are drinkers, uh, specifically Jasper. So, What doing Jasper? I time out his sets typically by beers. (laughs) So if it's like a ten minute set, that's a that's a three beer set for Jasper. Wow! So by the time I went up to do my set, I was drinking water because like (laughs) like going through the other acts, like I was getting pretty lit, you know.
1: Is it is it kind of uh, I don't know how to say this, but like like doing doing those three different characters is it by the time you get to just be like yourself telling your jokes is it kind of like okay i can do this now like is it like a little bit of pressures release like it seems like yeah. it'd be harder to start off with your stand-up and then and then maybe finish as a character
3: yeah i uh, i'm a big pacer and running stuff before i go out and so if i'm doing a stand-up set for like the half an hour before i go up i'm pretty much like just zoned out like pacing around just trying to And it's like, I already know the shit, but it's like, what else am I going to do during this 30 minutes? Like the, the anxiety builds up, you know, like I'd rather just be doing it now. Mm -hmm, And so jumping out there and doing the characters, especially a character like Jasper, where, you know, when we're doing Lloyd and Harvey, my character, Harvey, I'm telling jokes. We're like an old, like cat skills, comedy duo. Mm -hmm, I'm doing setups and one liner type stuff. And then, and even with the authors is like a scripted thing. I'm actually reading off the page with Jasper. I'm like hands off the wheel. <laughs> I go out and I just like, I let Jasper talk. Like I, I leave like during Jasper set, like
2: <laughs> at that point, Jesus is your, yeah, I, Jesus and, has the wheel
3: and Jasper just does his thing. And wow. I let it go. And I've done that character so much. And for so long that I'm confident in it. And like, I know like there's a repertoire of things to draw from, mm-hmm. but I don't know exactly what the night is going to be when he yeah. goes out. You know? so like a
1: lot of crowd work and,
3: I didn't own the album, but typically Jasper will be a lot of crowd work. And it will also be like, I use Jasper as a weapon a lot of times too, when I'm in a situation that I'm not oh happy God. about, like I'll weaponize that character and like, let him go out and like,
2: <laughs> like just you and your kid arguing and like, well, I'm going to Jasper. Right now. <laughs> yeah, you're doing.
3: Pretty much. I, I, you know, I do a show where we show up and, things aren't being operated the way they were supposed to be or there's a dispute with the people involved or whatever I'm like well this is a jasper night and <laughs> jasper's going to go out and he's going to he's going to air all his grievances with this place and these people and wow yeah
1: well, then but then that's like a good way to play it, right? Because then it's just like, ah, uh, well, it's just satire. Yeah. If, yeah. They, if they get mad, you'd be like, I was doing a bit, yeah. guys. Well, you know, it's therapeutic. A bit. That's <laughs> I why it.
2: I pooped on your floor. That was I didn't poop on your floor.
3: Jasper pooped on your
2: floor. <laughs>
0: that's nice.
1: So I want to. Were you uh, originally from uh, Muncie?
3: Or? I'm from Grant County, oh, okay. which is just north of Muncie. Uh, I grew up like in the middle of nowhere, like in between cornfields, yeah. uh, next to Fairmount, Indiana, where James Dean. Oh yeah,
1: I've driven through there very fast. (laughs) Yeah, Uh,
3: like went to a school that was also in the middle of cornfields, you know, and then when we graduated, I hung around for another year, and then when my friends went to college, a lot of them like drifted just down to Ball State, and my brother was living down there too, so I drifted down there as well and stayed there for about six years. Muncie's underrated. I think Muncie's pretty underrated. I I thought... It's really good for that age, yeah, especially. Well, yeah, I got to go there now. Yeah. But yeah. like, I have a friend who, like, I well, many friends that live there, but one who owns a restaurant there, and he's yeah. doing really well for himself, and. You know, they're they're living. my brother and his family still live there, and it's fine. It's just it's really good when you're in your early twenties.
2: It's a good college town. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's underrated for that because
3: I think people just don't think about it. But
2: I remember we went to I had a friend that went to Ball State and we hung out there when I was like early twenties. It was a it was a good time. Yeah, it wasn't Madison, Wisconsin. You guys ever been to Madison, Wisconsin? No, no. it's amazing. Yeah, it's unbelievable.
1: But Muncie's pretty good. Did you did you come down for a lot of like you see you were talking about like being a big fan of punk music when you were younger. Yeah. Did you come down here for shows a lot or just mainly up there?
3: I didn't come down. I wouldn't call it often, but I did. I was broke all the time, so I could never afford to do anything. I also didn't get my driver's license until I was 32.
2: What? Yeah. (laughs) What are you talking about? I'm so glad that we got to learn that on
3: the air. Yeah.
2: (laughs) What are you talking about? Because... All right, hang on a second. So I got to collect my thoughts here. So... uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that blew me away. Thirty-two. So let me tell you why. Because I, with uh, the high school, got my license, and I, I drove, you know, regular driving. But then I went to Chicago, for so for ten years, I didn't drive at all. I had a bike. I got rid of my car. But that whole time, you couldn't have been. I know you went to New York. You lived in New York for yeah. a little bit, but you weren't in New York the whole time. Like you no. we, we were in Muncie with no
3: license. Yeah. What were you? <laughs> What were you doing? I rode a bicycle. Wow. And uh, then I just bummed a lot of rides. I feel like really bad in retrospect because like I would just bum rides constantly. There was at one point for like a year, I actually was working at a pizza place that was 30 minutes away and I used to bum a ride to and from every day. Wow. But I sold pot. Nice. (laughs) So there was always somebody who would like to get stoned would give me a ride. Yeah, absolutely. That's a a good ride. Yeah. But the thing is, I also was one of these dudes that had a dog, that I took everywhere. So I, I'd, I'd bum a ride off oh of you God. and then That's my, problem, my 80 man. pound pit bull had really,
2: Oh
3: my God, you've opened so much.
2: I, I don't know why we always start talking about this the last 10 minutes. So let me, let me get this straight. When you're asking someone from a ride, do yeah. you say like, can I get a ride? And the person says, okay. And then you say like, Gotta see something else. Uh, can my dog come? Like, or do you just like the dog's just you're in like, there? Uh, you know, they the all dog knew. Out.
1: They all knew that if all I was of them going, knew it. that the dog was the going. dog was gonna go. Reminds me of Eli Roth's character in Cabin Fever. Doctor Mumbo is like he's just got a bag of pot and a dog for some
2: reason. I love that the dog just. It's not even just that you're bumming rides everywhere, but there's just it's just a, a, a given
3: that the dog is coming too. Yeah. Like where
2: are you you can't you're not taking the dog to work though. It's just like if I, you're traveling. I did. My, are the, you the place I worked at had a fenced-in
3: backyard. <laughs> And I would take the dog, and he would like hang out outside while I went to work. And um, I,
2: <laughs> oh my god, yeah,
3: that is a Dyke Michael situation. That is something that I feel like you would do. Yeah, well, I still
1: don't own a car. I, I know, yeah, yeah but no. you don't. You don't take Cody with you. No, he's a <laughs> he's a terrible dog. He, he can't he can't behave. He's a terrible
3: dog. Well, I will say, I stopped taking the dog everywhere with me. After a couple of years, like, cause I had yeah. roommates that would take care of them if I left them at home. So, you you, you so, had, after I, would leave. after I
1: got married, had a kid. Yeah. I sometimes like, no. I would
3: leave though. I would like have a backpack and like, I would just like, I'd go to work one day and then I wouldn't come home for three, four days.
2: What kind of life are you? God, we've opened this <laughs> a Pandora's box. We are scratching. We're not even scratching the surface of Isaac's situation. Now this I is. Think. This
3: is. Yeah. Like I mean, I. I would just. I ran wild. What year? What... <laughs> yes. A <laughs> well, free range. I don't know
2: if you did run wild. I mean, you ran wherever someone would take you.
3: Essentially. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what year? What year did you get married in? I got married in two thousand nine. And then how? Well,
2: hold on a second. Before I fast, did you when you were courting your now wife? Yeah. Did you drive then?
3: No. Did she? Yeah, she used to have to drive me everywhere. She drove me everywhere. Yeah. Oh wow! When I started doing stand up, she user. gave me a ride, and I and she'd have to give me a ride as Jasper. I'd be like in the passenger seat, <laughs> and then she, what do you mean she
1: gave you a ride as Jasper? And then,
3: then she dropped me off, and like she didn't want to have to walk in at the same time as Jasper
1: because jasper like thanks to yeah did i don't she, know how
3: jasper did talks. she
2: know that you weren't jasper like the whole time you're dating or is it something
3: like on the wedding night like i got
2: something to uh to tell you i'm not actually this person that's a character yeah.
3: now now i have to drive everywhere anytime we go anywhere <laughs> well, yeah I have to drive. yeah you owe her yeah
2: but she uh, that's that's amazing because i really think that uh i would not have I, I just thinking back of every girl i'd ever gone out with i don't think i would have gotten either any of them without a car uh, I think it was. I, I really think that that's really the only thing I brought to the table. I don't have a lot going yeah. on.
3: Well, after a certain <laughs> point, I like was more localized. I like could walk to work and like yeah. I rode a bike around, and the yeah. town wasn't big enough that it really made a big. D- but grocery shopping was like the one time where I like I had good roommates though, where we'd go grocery
1: shopping together, yeah.
3: or I'd give them money and they'd go wow. grocery
1: shopping. I don't know why Chris is acting so surprised. I literally. The whole 10 years I've known you, you didn't drive a car for most of no, it. No,
2: no, no. Well, and I lived in Indianapolis. Yeah, I guess you're right. It was, just, it was, just, the fact, it was just the
1: fact that you could if you wanted to. I think you always had a car, but it I was did. just like I had that parked Saturn. somewhere and you never drove it. I that.
2: hated driving. I hate driving to this day. I hate it. The only reason I drive now is because I have to get to work. Yeah. And there's no... there's. I've tried it so many times. There's no good way, because I'm not at the Pyramid, and there's just no good yeah. way to bike out there. It's just terrible. Um I guess you're right. I guess when I moved here, I didn't have a. I did have a car, but I never took it. To me. But if it's a, a girl situation, like if I have a, and you know what? That's actually not true either because.
3: I just didn't have a car. I don't. Like, I don't know. I was a scooter guy for a couple of years.
2: <laughs> what is like that? A, like, mean? A Vespa? like the
3: like a Vespa scooter? Or? Yeah, n- not a Vespa, but like a a nicer one. They're like called a, a, a Buddy. <laughs> it's a, a genuine scooter company out of Chicago. Okay. And so for a couple of years, I rode one of those, and I would ride it like all year round as long as the road wasn't super icy.
2: So did you? I would have to think that. I guess you're right, Dyke. I mean, I'm saying this, and, like, I didn't have a car for a really long time, but I think we live in the city. I didn't, I guess I didn't, maybe I'm underestimating Muncie because I'm thinking about it. I feel like in Muncie, you do need a car. In Indianapolis, you just
3: don't. You, I, I But think, you could ride your bike from one side of Muncie to the other in, like, yeah. probably just over an hour.
2: Yeah, I guess you're right. Indianapolis was very, I guess I'm, I, I'm just, I've been here for a long time, I guess, at this point, but Indianapolis is a lot more bikeable now than it used to be. I mean, yeah. when I first got here, and I rode a bike everywhere, and it wasn't, super acceptable definitely not as much as it is now I mean there's bike paths or yeah. bike. there's a bike lane on every single road now but it was a little bit different but yeah I guess I mean I guess yeah I didn't have a car but it's just I, I'm not for but that's the thing is I that's why I think that I'm so blown away because I feel like my situation is pretty unique and I didn't have a license for 10 years but I drove and then I went to Chicago and just it didn't make any sense because yeah. it's too expensive and then I had to get back into having a good car when I got back to Indianapolis you're making a conscious decision for like 16 years
3: yeah yeah, I got it finally because we had our second kid and I was like, okay, there's second always kid? there's always <laughs> going to be... I, I should have gotten it on the first <laughs> one, but, did, but I was like, there's always going to be a kid needing to go Why somewhere, so
2: I'll really
1: go get it now. So
2: god damn it you just keep fucking pulling back this onion and you're just like casually like yeah I did have a car for the first kid well imagine at a
1: like certain point you just kind of like you're just used to it you know yeah, like, well, yeah. no 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 I like this in, is in, our dynamic and that's right like, that like I rode a bike everywhere but if I
2: have a kid I can't just shove uh, the kid in my chrome bag like, right what, so it's just your your wife at the time is just that she has to be the driver yeah
3: Wow. Yeah, and my in-laws were actually living here for the first couple of years when we lived here and they helped because I was real, I was going to school full-time and working full-time and doing comedy. Yeah. And my You're wife not was driving going, to a seat. No, not driving anywhere. And my wife was going to school full-time and working full-time. Yeah. So the in-laws helped us a lot. And That's so good. that buffered that. a to, or I probably would have had to have gotten it. But you're also talking about when you add a car, for like, you're adding like $500 to I the budget. I hate No, you're you know? absolutely right. I mean, that's... Well aware. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing about
2: when, you know, Amy and I had a little bit of a conversation about possibly going to Chicago, and that's the thing is her side of it was, well, it's more expensive, but no, you take away the car. You don't... Under- yeah. and, you, and, you, and then you take away the train. Like, I didn't... When I was in Chicago, I was bike strictly. I biked everywhere, you know, all four seasons. I didn't care. That's a huge difference in what you're paying, especially when you... You know, parking, and if you have a car, you have to make payments on, and insurance, and all that stuff, and gas. Ugh, it just adds up. But when you, yeah, it's a huge thing to take off you when you're not driving.
1: Uh, Driving sucks. Thank you so much for coming on the program today. Thank you. Where can we find you on social media? Uh, Follow you. Any social media platform.
3: It's my first and last name, Isaac Landford. I -S S A A C L A N D F E R T. And I've even got a TikTok now, but I bet Ooh. you I'm not going to be putting anything on that here <laughs> after another week. That shit is garbage.
1: You, just went, you don't like TikTok?
3: I hate it. <sighs> Amy's just, trying to get me on TikTok. It's just, I don't like you it. You just went
1: viral. <laughs> Look, what I'm
3: about to say doesn't sound like a complaint, but it's just... it's. All like titty girls trying to get you to sign up for their OnlyFans page. Yeah, I've already Ask got me. Instagram for that. Like, yeah. I don't need to watch Dyke's your tits that. bounce in real time.
2: Dyke was literally just asking me, like, is there a place where I can find just titty girls? With asking me for where their adjustments. Are <laughs> 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 um, where are the titty girls? Brunch he says at least once a week.
1: Brunch Nation, you you know you guys are still sitting on some of that stimulus check money. Please go out there, yeah. pre-order. Pre-order. pre-order Isaac Landford's. Yeah. There's three
2: tracks that so you can't get those three tracks unless you pre-order. Is that right?
1: No, you get them when you buy. And all I'm right, well, goddamn it, Isaac, I'm <laughs> trying to help you out. <laughs> but it's better if you pre-order. Use some of that money. It's yeah. hilarious. You're gonna you're gonna be kicking yourself if you don't. No, absolutely. I mean,
2: we're always talking about. I think people are always like, I got all this stimulus money. How can I help the people that don't have the stimulus money or do and they're in need? This is it. Yeah. This is what you have to do. Pre-order he,
1: Isaac's album. He's got car payments to make. He's got, yep. Now. <laughs> Uh, We'll see you next week, guys.